October 14, 1947, something happened that had never happened before. Chuck Yeager was in a plane over the deserts of Southern California, and he punched through the sound barrier. There was all kinds of talk what would happen with the vibrations from the plane. Would it explode? Uh, what, in, in the physical world, what would happen to his body? Would, would the forces there do something internally to him? Would he bleed out his pores or something like that? What, what would happen to him? Now, when it occurred, interestingly enough, some had predicted this would happen. There was a bit of a boom. They call it a sonic boom. It echoed across the ground. But in the plane, Chuck Yeager said it was nothing more than like putting your finger through jello. That's what it felt like. Not that big of a deal. Now, what was interesting about that day is the problem wasn't with the sky. But the reason it had never happened before is we didn't understand, scientists didn't understand, the dynamics of flight faster than the speed of sound. Nope, nothing had really shifted other than the understanding and the experience. What we're doing here is we're trying to shift some understanding and experience. Now, what we're talking about last week and this week has been true for a very long time as we talk about prayer. But while it's been true, not all of us know all that we're talking about. And even those of us that have been walking with Jesus for a very long time, there's some stuff that we can learn, remind ourselves of, be refreshed about as we talk about prayer. So last week, we worked through what we call the Our Father. And I talked to you about how it's a model of prayer. And here in our second week of our prayer thing, I want to take you to a place where the Apostle Paul prayed with people. And I want to talk to you about how to pray for people. So if you want to grab out your message notes, now they look like this. And then would you go ahead and grab out that connect card as well that uh, I mentioned early in, in the service and maybe just, you know, put it on the back as you're taking notes, use it to stiffen the paper so that you can write or whatever. And we'll, we will re-engage those things in just a moment as well. But I want to walk with you through how to pray for others. And this is a really big deal in our family right now. Um, yesterday, and I don't want to make my wife cry, so don't look at her, guys. Um, but yesterday, uh, I left, uh, we left our son a, a, in college. And so we've been gearing up for this moment ever since he was born. We knew it was coming. We weren't caught by surprise. And yet at the same time, it felt like we blinked and somehow now he's gone. And praying for him now takes on a different kind of, of feeling for us. In fact, yesterday, just before we left, I walked him. He went to the place, to the college where I met my wife. And so I walked him to the very spot in this auditorium where I was sitting as a freshman in college. And it was in, literally in that seat that I bowed my head and said, God, if you're calling me to ministry, I'll do it. It was like literally in that place that that decision was made. And I stood there with him and prayed with him there and said, God, I don't know what you're going to do with his life, but... I want you to be so a part of his life that no matter where life takes him, no matter where he goes, he's successful primarily because he's with you. And I prayed for him in that place. How do you pray for somebody? How do you pray for somebody when the stakes are really high and like something's really serious going on? How do you pray for them? I mean, do, do we think prayer's important? Do you, do you have to call me because I'm the pastor? And if you do, who do I call? Who do I call when it's time to really pray about something that's a big deal? So how do you pray? We're not left to wonder this stuff. We have to figure it all out. It's been figured out before. And even if this is new to you, 
what we're going to talk about today isn't new. I'm going to take you to a place where the Apostle Paul in the New Testament models for us how to pray for people. Now, there's some 42 prayers in the New Testament in one form or another. And the book of Ephesians in your New Testament is one of my favorite books of the Bible. And one of the reasons it's my favorite is, is there's so many prayers in it. I'm going to take you to two small passages in the book of Ephesians that gives us how the Apostle Paul prayed for people. And I'm going to show you how you can take kind of the model prayer, and I've broken it down for you in your message notes, how you can literally take this piece of paper home after you fill it in. And when you're facing something, maybe you're facing it now, you can literally open this up and you can pray. You can find your own words to talk to God about what's going on in the lives of the people you care about. I think one of the most primary uh, expressions of love for people of faith is to pray for the people that God put in our life. I've mentioned to this congregation before, but I was fortunate enough to grow up in a home from about the time I was five years old where my parents' faith was growing. It was vibrant. It wasn't stale for them. There was a lot of newness. And I got to watch my parents walk out their faith. And it wasn't unusual for me to come home after school or after a night out with my buddies and hear my mom or my dad praying. That wasn't unusual. I'd walk by their bedroom, the door would be open, and they would be talking, and I would always listen because I was always curious what was going on. And I very rarely got anything good. As a teenage boy, what I heard was them talking to God. Nothing all that interesting about that to a teenage boy. But what was interesting is regularly I'd hear them talking to God about me. I'd be out with my buddies doing some stuff that wasn't maybe all that wrong, but it probably wasn't all that wise. And I'd come home and I'd hear my mom say things like, God, be with him. Lord, send people in his life who will help him make wise choices. God, don't let him ruin the call you have on his life uh, with a moment of pleasure when he can have a lifetime of impact. Well, that'll put the guilt on you real quick. So I tiptoe on past the door and lay down in bed and go, okay, God, I don't know if you're listening to mom or me, but don't tell her what I'm doing because I feel like she has some clues. I don't know what's going on. But now here I am, and those prayers are so important to me. Last Sunday, as we were working through the Lord's Prayer, um, something unique happened to me, and I just about lost it standing up here first service. I don't know if you noticed it or not. I hope you didn't. Try to be a professional. And I was about to come as close to non-professional as I've ever been on this stage. What happened? It wouldn't be that meaningful to you because my mom didn't pray for you the way she prayed for me. She didn't know you. But just before I walked out, I wanted to show you how that at home, I opened my Bible, I have my journal, I have my, my notes here, and I pray. And Well, in my office, I have all kinds of Bibles. But typically in my office, I use my computer and the online stuff. And it's at home that I have the physical Bible that I open, right? So I just grabbed a Bible off the shelf. And when I grabbed it, I knew which one I grabbed. This is the one. Now, I don't really carry this Bible, all right? I'm using it today as a prop. Now, it's very important to me. It's not just a prop. This is the Bible that actually my mom was using uh, just before she passed away. I, I knew that. So I grabbed the Bible. It was really cool. But what happened for service, I opened it up, and it fell open to a page where she had made some notes. And she had put newspaper clippings of me in here. 
And my mom passed away about four years ago. And I opened this up and I saw that and I thought about how she prayed for me and cared for me and loved me. And one of the ways I know my mom loved me is she prayed for me. She knew that God had to be the most important thing in my life. And there were evidences of that everywhere. And here I was on stage with you and I opened this just before. And I just about shriveled up into a ball of tears and snot. It would have been very ugly, very ugly. Now, praying for people is a big deal. It's, it's a big deal because it expresses our love. It's a really big deal because the Bible is clear that prayer changes things. It changes things. And so I encourage you to pray for the people you care about. But I don't want to just press you, pray for them. Pray. I want to today talk about how. Now, you don't have to do what I'm going to suggest. But if you're not in the habit of praying for your wife, praying for your husband, praying for your kids, for your relatives, for your neighbor who's sick, and you don't want to miss next week, I'm going to actually talk about like physically praying for and with other people next week. We're going to be kind of workshop again. And when we get done today, like I'm going to be done with the content section in a second. We're going to kind of go back into, into modeling mode. We're going, to, we're going to go back into workshop and we're going to actually, I'm going to actually sit here and walk with you through how to pray for people. All right. How do you do that? So let, let's just open up our sermon notes. If you have your Bible and you want to go to Ephesians chapter 1, we'll park there for a few minutes. And then we're going to park in Ephesians chapter 3. Um, I want to walk you through how the Apostle Paul prayed. And I want to let it kind of fill you up with how you pray for people. So, so you probably know you close your eyes. Did you know that you don't have to do that in the Bible? You don't have to do that. Some of you probably grew up praying and you would bow down by your bed. You get on your knees by your bed at night. And uh, the Apostle Paul here is going to reference that kind of activity in a minute, but that's not required. So it's not so much the posture of prayer physically as much as it is the posture of your heart. But beyond that, what do you say? What do you say? Like there are sometimes when I'm just at a loss for words and I'm just like, Jesus, like, just help us. I don't, I don't even know what to say. That's, that's okay. But if you wanted to be intentional and make praying for your family, for the ones you love, for your spouse, for your coworker, a part of your life, if they came to you and said, here's a big deal going on, would you pray with me about it? How would you do it? Well, we can use the Apostle Paul's words. So right there in your message notes, number one, I want to give you kind of a beginning um, Beginning set of boundaries, all right? So here it is, the two blanks. Pray with persistence. Pray with gratitude, that's blank number two, and intentionality to our heavenly father. Persistence, gratitude, and intentionality to our heavenly father for the people you care about. Here's the background of the book of Ephesians. Paul had started this church and it was a real rocky start. Like he was in big time trouble and he left somewhat in a hurry and he left a group of people there that his heart was knitted to, but they couldn't do life together in the same way. He couldn't be their ongoing pastor. But when he left, he took them in his heart with them, with him. They were in here. They just weren't all together, right? You probably have people in your life like that that are in here. You're just not all together, Right? That's where they were. And so he writes them letters. This is the one that gets reserved that God sees fit to keep in our Bible. We call it the New Testament. But in it, he talks to us about how he prays. Look at his words for them. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. 
He's just said to them, I'm so proud of your faith in Jesus, how you're pressing in, how I see the spirit of God at work in you, how I see you growing. I know you're not perfect, but you're pressing in. I am so proud of you. And then in verse 15, he says, and so for this reason, because of your growing faith, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, he had been getting reports. I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Persistence, gratitude. And I remember you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, we're gonna stop there for a second. We'll pick right up in a, in a moment. But last week we, in, in our talk about the Lord's Prayer, I said it's probably better called the Disciples' Prayer. We affectionately call it the Our Father because that's how it begins. That really what we're being invited to do is to see God as the dad who cares for us. He's our, our daddy God, and he loves us. He loves his kids, and so much of his effort is about getting his kids back home and making sure the relationships around the table are healthy and vibrant and life-giving. And he says, I, I go to God for you, and I go to God regularly for you. I haven't stopped giving thanks for you. I go to him, and I, I want the, the God who is the Lord. I want that father to be the one that changes your life. And he, in the beginning of how to understand how to pray for people, he makes the point that we're already in a relationship. Now, I've said this a hundred times because I have to remind myself of it, but I want to remind you of it. Moms and dads, when you pray for your kids, one of the things that makes it so powerful is, is that while you love your kids, God loves your kids more. He's the father. That's good news. And while you love your kids pretty well, he loves them perfectly. And when you pray for your spouse, God loves your spouse more than you do. And you know that because you don't always love your spouse. You know, it's, when I'm talking about kids, you're like, oh man, that must be a lot of love. When I talk about your spouse, you're like, yeah, I'm glad he does because I don't always love my spouse. That's, that's all right. God has never not loved your spouse. And so when you go to God and you talk about your wife or you talk about your husband or you talk about your mom or your dad or your aunt, your uncle, your coworker, your friend, he already loves them. He already has a heart for them. His heart is already bent towards them. He's already listening. He's already aware. What caught you off guard in that moment is you got that phone call that didn't catch God off guard because he's already in a relationship. He's already wooing them. And that's just the backdrop for why prayer is so powerful. And not just because God is powerful and knows everything, it's because he deeply, deeply, deeply cares. So we start with an attitude of gratitude. And then we're persistent. I haven't stopped. And there's a certain amount of intentionality in that. See, I used to think it was just coincidental that on my way home, I'd sneak in the door and I'd hear my parents praying. Uh-uh. My mom had learned how to leverage Christian guilt. <laughs> she wanted me to know that she was talking to God about me. It was intentional. My wife has a regular habit. Puts her hands on my shoulder and prays for me. She did it this morning intentional. Do you pray for me? Yes, I pray for you. That's fine. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about 
making it a priority to pray for the people that you love, knowing that you're praying to a God that loves them too. Having a conversation with him about them. Sometimes the people in your life, you're gonna get insight into them and you're gonna know things they don't know. Parents, sometimes you're gonna know exactly if your kids keep walking that path where it's going. And because they're older, you don't have control anymore. And you may not even have a whole lot of influence in a particular moment. But do you know who does? Your heavenly father. And you can talk to him about everything on your heart. And I'm encouraging you not to just wait to moments of crisis. I'm encouraging you to make it a matter of priority. Now I'm gonna make a statement that I can't scientifically prove, but it is my, my, my subjective learning and I've never had it disproved. I've seen that couples who pray together stay together. I'm just telling you, I've never known of a couple who made prayer a part of their time together. She prayed for him, he prayed for her. I've never known them to separate. I've known them to struggle, but they got better. I'm just telling you the truth. And you can be frustrated at that. You can think that's not whatever. You, you can say, I'd like to do that. I bet you for some of you, you've heard that before. And when you heard it before, you said, I'm gonna do that. And you're still not doing it. That's fine. That's between you and the Lord. I'm just telling you, Paul prayed with persistence and he prayed intentionally. And there's a level of intimacy that comes when you hear your spouse praying for you. There's a level of trust when you go to your spouse and you say, I'm worried about this. I'm struggling with, there's an intimacy there. And you're giving them a gift and inviting them to hold it with you. And it's vulnerable, that's why we don't do it. And we don't know how to pray and we don't wanna sound dumb when we pray. And Okay, so let's now learn how to do it and get up from this place and do it. Number two then, pray for God to make himself known to the person. So when I'm standing there in that chapel, right in front of the seat where almost 30 years ago, the Lord gripped my heart in a life-changing way, a decision that set the course of my family. And I've got my arm around my son and I'm choking back the tears. You know what I'm praying for? Like, I want him to make a lot of money. I do, I do, I want my son, I want all my kids to make a lot of money, I really do. I just feel like, you know, they say money doesn't make you happy. I get it. But I've never seen somebody crying on a jet ski. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Now, I don't want them to be greedy and consumed by money. I just want them to have enough, to have their needs, want and some, or their needs met and some of their wants. So I pray they get good jobs. I do. I don't want them to struggle. I don't want them to be upside down. I and mean, I've seen that work. But that's not what I was praying for. You know? I wasn't praying God make him so good at college and learn so much stuff and become an excellent scholar so he impresses everybody with his knowledge or he's so far above his peers that he gets the best. That's not what I prayed for in that moment. Now that might have been a fine prayer at some point and I bet I do pray that closer to graduation. I do. But right now, that's not what was on my heart as we're beginning this stage of the journey for him. What was on my heart was that no matter where he goes, I want God to be there with him. In fact, I want him to follow where God leads him. I want that to set the course of his life, not some comfort, some American dream, some Connor dream or some daddy dream. I want God's dream for him. 
And I'm praying in that moment that God would make himself known to Connor. And Connor wouldn't be able to ignore it. It wouldn't be hidden. It'd be obvious. Be clear to Connor. Let him know who you are. Let him see you. And let his vision of you change. Him and his thoughts and his priorities. And I'm just, where did I get that? It's not because I'm wise. That's how people prayed for me. That's how the Apostle Paul prayed for the people in Ephesus. Look at the verse. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because why? Why do you need the spirit of wisdom? Because we're dumb. We are dumb. You're dumb. Your kids are dumb. Not all the time, but way too often. I don't mean to be, you know, condescending. I'm in, I'm in the same group. We're dumb sometimes. We need God to give us wisdom to see what's really important because we'll make things that aren't that important very important. We'll get our priorities all out of whack. And then, and then revelation, the word revelation is powerful in the Bible. It's like, let me see what God sees and what God wants me to see. I can't see it on my own. I don't, it's in front of me, but I'll say, would you reveal it to me? Reveal to me you. Why? So that you may know him better. Can I, can I be honest? If you come to me and you say, Pastor, pray for me, and I say yes, nine times, 95% of the time, I don't forget. Most of the time, I'll say, would you shoot me that email? Because what happens in the few minutes after service, I don't remember. There's like 42 very important things, right? But most of the time, I can remember, even if you don't shoot in an email or write it on your Connect card, I'll remember it. But when I pray for you, I'm praying about the thing you talked about, but I've been doing this for a while. I know that whatever that is, and no matter how important that is, there's something else that for God is equally, if probably more important. That somehow as you get through all this stuff right here, you know him more, you love him more, you see him more clearly. His values are more your values. His way is more your way. His path is more the path you're walking. And he's gonna use this over here and maybe he's gonna miraculously alleviate the tension. Probably not. But here's what he will do if you'll let him. He'll teach you him. So I'm praying for you. But very often I'm like, God, don't let them get through this and get through it. And the moment the tension is gone, they go back to being a lazy Christian again. Now, just Paul, I can be very honest with God. I can't do that with you because you'll get offended. But I know me, and I've been doing this a long time. A lot of us, I... I a lot of times I have been a lazy Christian. I know better, but I'm comfortable. And so the things that are more important just don't get my priority. And so when I pray for you, God, alleviate the tension, fix the thing, heal the person, satisfy the need, but God, let them see you. And when the tension is gone, don't make them fall back into those same habits that got them here to begin with. That's often how I pray. I won't do that in front of you, because you'll leave ticked at me. Now, if I know you real well, I will. I'll just put my hand, God bless them. And I mean it. I mean every bit of it. But when I go home, I'm going to pray the other half of that prayer. Because that's what God wants to do. He doesn't want to just make your life better. He wants to make it godlier. And I know there are churches that won't tell you this. I know that. And they'll just preach inspiration. But inspiration without a revelation of Jesus becomes an empty well that runs out of water and you have to keep filling it with greater and greater experiences of inspiration. 
But when you get a revelation of Jesus, it becomes a well of never-ending supply. It wells up out of you. It becomes a river of life that flows. So when I pray for people, God, make yourself known to my son. God, make yourself known to, to Jill. When I pray for myself, God, make yourself known to me. Number three. Pray for God to bring, and I wanna, I'm going to give you three words, and then we're going to quantify them, all right? They all need descriptors. And uh, in fill in the blank, that's hard to do. I didn't want you to write a paragraph, all right? So I want you to write them, but don't quote this without some of the corresponding language, all right? So number three, pray for hope, pray for riches, and pray for power. Let me read you the, the text, and then let's color in those words a little bit. Ephesians 1, 18. I pray, Paul says, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, his flowery spiritual language. But Paul's been at this for a while. You get comfortable with language like this. We're in the front end, you may not talk like this, but bottom line is he's boiling down is I want you to have hope in Jesus. I want all the resources of God available to you. That's what he means by riches. It includes money, but it's never just money. I want you to have power to walk the path that God has called you to do. That's not power to do whatever you want. It's power to walk the path God has called you to walk. Like, I'm always grateful when Jesus gets a shout out on TV. Like, I like it. I'm just, I'm that guy. Yes. But sometimes I get a little concerned when, like, a sports figure. I don't have anybody in mind right now, all right? I have nobody in mind. And they're like, I just want to thank the Lord that uh, I was able to hit that home run and we won the game. And, you know, like the verse says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We're going to have to hit the pause button on that one. That's a true statement. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, but you can't do whatever you want. That's not the all things. All things, whatever God has called you toward, whatever is the path he has in front of you, that's what he will empower you to do. And it may or may not include hitting home run when you want to hit a home run so you can win the game. And if you don't get the home run, you're going to lose the game. It might. I don't know. I can't, I don't have that kind of wisdom. But you don't have power to do whatever you want to do through Christ. God's not your cosmic Coke machine. You put in the 50 cents or the dollar 25 and hit whatever button you want and out comes your miracle. It's not the way it works. But you do have power to do whatever he's called you to do. And there's nothing too big, which means you have power through Christ to be godly in your marriage. And you have power through Christ to be a good enough parent. You do. That's your call. You have power through Christ to be a witness in this world. You have power through Christ to guard your tongue. You do. You don't have to have a sucky attitude. You don't. You have power through Christ. Now, whether or not he's going to give you a parking spot at the front line at the, at the supermarket, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's included, I can do all things through Christ. I don't think so. But okay, feel free. Guys on TV will tell you it is. Fine. Just not in the Bible. All right? So pray for the people then in your life to have whatever God wants them to have. Look, look at this, an incomparable great power for those who believe. The power is the same power, the same mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead. How powerful, powerful enough to raise the dead. And he seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, powerful enough to break the surly bonds of earth and rule in heaven. 
far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Greater power, greater authority, greater resources, greater hope-giving ability than any political party, any school, any local church. Jesus is that awesome. And so there's never, never a reason to be without hope when Jesus is in your life. There's never, ever, ever a reason to have a poverty mentality that says, I'm always in want, I'm always in need, I'll never have enough emotional supply, I'll never have enough relational supply, I'll never have enough financial supply, not when God is the one who's in charge. So when you pray for other people, you get to say things to God like this, God, I don't know how you're gonna answer this prayer. But I pray you would give them a hope that in you, every prayer gets answered to their good. I've stood many times beside a hospital bed and the prognosis isn't good. In fact, next week, I'm gonna tell you how to do a hospital visit, how to pray for sick people. I'm, I'm gonna show it to you. At one point in my life, I visited over 50 hospital visits a week. It was hell. God delivered me. I'm not going back to Egypt, all right? But I did it, and I learned a lot about that. I'm going to tell you how to pray for people. But I, I've stood beside people's beds, and I've, I've had to pray for things that, like, were just huge. And I found myself in this tension. How do I ask God to do something that seemed really, really, really big? No, knowing that it's not likely that about eight out of 10 times when I'm there praying for that, it's gonna go the way that nature typically goes. Nine out of 10. How do I pray for that? Well, God, here's what I'm asking you for. And I don't know how you're gonna answer this prayer, but would you in this moment give my sister, give my brother, give my family member, would you give them hope that however you answer this prayer, it's for their good. That's the hope we have. We have hope in the character of God. We don't have hope in the way God's gonna answer our prayer. We have hope that in the way that he answers our prayer, it's always good for us. And he's always gonna work it for our good. He's always gonna work it for our good. We know that, that's scripture. All things work together for good to those who love God. And did you get the last part? And who are called according to his purpose. God's always gonna, that's why you always have hope. Because remember, he's a good father. Good, good, very, very good. Awesome, good, good, good father. He really is. And he's always gonna bring it for your good. Let's look at number four. This is the hardest part of the whole praying for other people for me. Pray with submission to God's will to be done for the other person. This is we're gonna pick up Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians three. Paul writes near the middle of this letter he wrote to the Ephesian church. He loves them deeply. He prays for them throughout the book. Look at what he says in chapter three. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. I kneel. Now this isn't everywhere in the scripture. Not every time somebody prays do they kneel. In fact, it's only used four times in the New Testament, this idea of kneeling. And it represents total submission. Total submission. It's the, it's the person on trial kneeling before a Roman centurion. It's total submission. It's an acknowledgement of the authority of God. 
So that when I go to prayer, what I'm praying most is for God's will to get done, not just what I want. And as a pastor, when I pray for people that I care about, it's not enough for me and my agenda to work in your life. Prayer can be used very manipulatively. And the way you keep it pure and holy is you petition God for his agenda. There have been many times, and my wife is fine with me telling you this part of our, of our existence together. There have been many times I've prayed prayers for my wife that God was never going to answer. Never. He wasn't interested. God make her shut up. He wasn't going to answer that one. I wasn't praying in his will, for his good, in submission to what he wants for her. I was just tired of her. I ain't going to, is that okay? Yeah. The church down the road, that pastor's never acted that way. You probably want to go there. There have been times I prayed that, you know, <laughs> that she'd do certain things for me, whatever it was. You know, my favorite food. You know, make sure my clothes are whatever. That got me very selfish, guys. Here's what I found. God, God doesn't answer selfish prayers in the way I want him to. In fact, most of the time when I pray that way, if I'll keep at it, by the time I'm done with the prayer... The conviction of the Holy Spirit is so thick in the room because he's showing me just how selfish I am. And he's not touching her heart. He's changing me. And that's when I quit praying. By the way, great dead theologians have made it clear that the reason most of us don't pray, at least it's true for me, is that to pray is to change. And when we don't want to change, we quit praying. I'm guilty of that. Like, I, don't, I don't really want to pray about my attitude. I don't, because I don't have to deal with it. I want to pray about your attitude. I got an endless supply of prayers for you guys. I love you, but like I only have two categories of life, my family and this church. So at any given point, one of you guys are on my nerves. <laughs> it's not even you, it's me. Right, so I'm praying. But when I talk to God about you, you know what he does? He talks to me about me. And so there's an, uh, uh, an attitude of submission. And when I pray for my kids, I can't just pray blessings as the world defines them. I have to pray blessings the way God defines them. Which means if they have nothing, but they're walking in obedience to the call of God on their life, they are blessed and highly favored. And what's the posture that reminds me of that? Maybe I kneel. Maybe I bow my head and close my eyes. Maybe my eyes are turned towards heaven. Maybe my hands are out. Maybe they're up. Maybe they're clasped. A lot of times I put them on my heart. But it's a posture of submission. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Number five, pray for strength for that person to grow in faith. Look at this phrase. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That he'll give you strength so that you can grow in your faith. You know, pray for your spouse. Pray that they grow in their faith. You want to pray for your kids? Pray that they grow in faith. A few weeks ago, I did a dedication service in, in space over on this side of the wall, like down there. And there were several families who brought their kids. And I'm standing there, and at one point, I'm praying for the kids. And 
We use water to symbolize the Holy Spirit. That it's not an accident these kids are in these families. And I'm touching the water and touching the kids. And I had this thought while I'm praying. And I'm really into the prayer. That's like a big deal to me. The parents would trust us like that. But I'm thinking, I'm praying for these kids. And I thought I had this thought, God, please. Please don't let me pray for them more than mom or dad does. Please, because it won't work. Like, I will, I'll pray. But it won't work. We got this new youth pastor around here, and he's a good guy, but he ain't going to get your kid to heaven. Ain't going to work that way. The best he'll ever do is partner with you and your agenda that you have for your kids. I can't outpray you for your life and what's going on. That's your job. You've got to do it. And when you pray for them, you got to pray for their, for their faith to grow. Let me tell you something. When, when dads pray for sons and daughters like that, and then the way they do life with those sons or daughters begins to change. You just can't pray seriously for very long until it starts affecting your behavior. And I can't pray for God to be the priority in my son's life till eventually I have to look in the mirror and say, is he the priority in my life? I can't pray for my daughter's attitude until after a while it starts to, I have to pray for my own. And when I get tired of that push, that the Holy Spirit does in me, I quit praying. I quit praying. Now, the next time she acts up, I'll pray for her after we've had a nice long conversation. <laughs> and then I'll pray for her. Right, but I'm praying for her, her faith to grow. And when I do that, it pushes me to grow. Number six, pray for a greater experience of the love of God. Ephesians 17 and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the full measure of all the fullness of God. Filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When I pray for somebody, I'm God, make your love known. Let that love be magnetic. Convince them that you are for them. That you've never thought an evil thought about them. Convince my brother who's going through this marriage thing that you love him. Even though he feels alone right now and abandoned and betrayed, God, would you fill him with your love. The kind of love that only you can fulfill. That even the most faithful and godly wife can never fulfill the place that you can fulfill. And out of the overflow of the love in his heart and his life, God, would you then begin to restore his marriage and make his words be peppered with your love. The love you've demonstrated to him when he didn't deserve it. Would you give him the ability to demonstrate that to her? He can't do that in his own strength. But the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. And the writer says, and it goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest veil. And that's the love of God. High, wide, deep. And so when you're praying for people, pray for the stuff, of course, and pray that God's love would Fill their hearts. That's why when we were singing earlier, Holy Spirit, come into this place. It's a good prayer. In a song, it's a, it's a good prayer. Fill this room, God. Let the glory of who you are draw us to you. But it's not enough. It has to fill your life. And when you pray for people, if that's your heart desire for them, it begins to come out. 
And I don't know what your kids are going through right now. Jill and I are talking a lot about that in our house. And interestingly enough, a lot about what we talk about comes out here. But whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is, God wants to be at the middle of it. It's not about the situation as much as it is about the God in the situation. Number seven, number seven, pray to build faith when you close the prayer. Pray that the faith would be built by focusing on the greatness of God and God's family. Ephesians 3, 20. Look at how Paul closes his prayer time. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. As he closes his prayer, he's talking about how great God is. God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Theologians say that the phrase according to is the right phrase. It's not out of God's power as if there's a limited supply and eventually as God helps you, he's running low. No, it's according to his power, which is limitless, which means he can keep helping you and the next person and he hasn't made a dent in his resources. That's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty awesome about our God. To him be glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and forever. And then I left you room to write down some names of who you're praying for. So here in my mind, there are people I'm praying for. And I want to invite you right now, if you don't mind, to just put your notes aside, your connect card. We're going to come to that in a second. And we're going to, again, I'm going to open my Bible, my journal. I'm going to turn on my radio, set some worship music, and I'm going to pray for some people. Now on Tuesday mornings, I pray for the request that you gave us on your connect card. That's what I do. And I put that list right there in front of me. And I literally say to God, God, these are the needs of this congregation. You've given me the great fortune to be a leader in. And I pray for the stuff you write now. And then I pray for whatever else I want to pray for. And so I'm going to have to be just a little cryptic and not reveal everything about what's going on in this church, obviously. So what I thought I would do is I'd stand here and I'd pray for my son, Connor, because that's the thing on my heart. All right? While I'm doing this, you can watch me. That's fine. I don't care. I'm used to that. You can join with me. Pray for Connor. That'd be awesome. Or I'd encourage you most of all to pray for what's on your heart. If I use words that are meaningful to you, use them. God, that's what, that's what I mean. I haven't been doing it as long as Ben. He's got practice. That's fine. And I'm going to actually use this prayer guide. And I'm going to pray through things for my son. Is that all right with you? Would you bow? Let me show you how to do this. Father, I'm so grateful I can come to you. Even though there's 350 miles between us, there's no distance between you and my son. Well, you know how that since he was a child, we've prayed for him. We've asked you to be a part of his life and you've been there, you've been faithful. You've sent people into his life to speak words of encouragement, comfort, and correction. 
You've surrounded him with friends who, while they aren't perfect, they generally are going in the direction that you're calling him towards. And you've brought adults into his life, God, who have partnered with us in powerful ways and have made deep, indelible marks in his life. And Father, I sit here today and I'm grateful. And I'm grateful that you love my son more than I do. That you have never thought an evil thought about him. And as much as I want for him, you want so much more. I'm thankful, Lord, that while I've made plans and I have goals and agendas for him, yours are all good. They've been stripped of everything selfish, everything worldly, everything temporary, and your plans for him are pure and right and good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, as I think about this transition that he's going into, this new stage of life, while he's an adult legally, you and I both know there's still some work to do. I pray, God, as you're doing your work in him and growing him up to completion, keeping the truth of your word, that you who began a good work will complete it. I pray, Lord, that the most important thing that happens to him over these next four years is that he would love you more that he would know you more. That he wouldn't just have the expectation of the American college experience. He'd have some of that. He'd have a lot of fun. He'd be in social groups. There'd be deep friendships connected. But God, I pray at the middle of all of that, his heart beats for you. God, I don't, I don't want to count success that he made it comfortably into adulthood. I want to count success that he is desperate for you. I know you have a call on him, Lord. We don't know all that that is. I know that no matter how he makes a living, you want him serving your purposes in this world. And he can't do that by following my voice. He has to follow yours. You have to be just as real to him as I've been to him. I ask you, Father, to make yourself known to him. Open his eyes to see your hand. And when people come into his path, let him be able to smell if they're from you or if they're pushing in the other direction. Help him to know you, to know your character, to have split-second judgment. God, I pray that all of his lessons aren't learned because he had to learn them for himself. I pray you give him eyes about you and eyes about the world so that he could see folks around him and he would learn from their mistakes and their successes. I don't want him to simply go through the school of hard knocks. I pray there'd be true wisdom that comes from discernment of how you've wired this world and what's really important. Help him to know you. God, I pray as he's separated from his mom and from his dad and from his friends, that you would give him a deep hope, a deep hope down deep in his soul that his life counts, that he can make a difference on his worst day, on his worst day, Lord. I pray he would find his hope in you. And when friends betray, when he feels lonely, as he's finding love, God, I pray that the thing that fills his heart the most is you. And the world has beat him down. God, I pray you would lift him up. 
every resource that he needs to accomplish the thing that you're putting in front of him. The emotional fortitude, most of all, the grit, just the perseverance. I pray God that he'd run against the counter of this world. He'd run countercultural, and he would not give in to the whim, a, 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 a significant delayed adolescence, but instead, Lord, he'd find grit to go about the work you called him to do. And there'd be a resoluteness in him, confidence that he finds in you and his identity in you. And no matter what anybody else says about him, no matter what his GPA is, no matter what club he gets into or doesn't get into, no matter what person gives him a second look or doesn't, I pray there would be deep emotional satisfaction in him because his identity is found in you. Give him power, Lord. Give him power to walk the path you put in front of him. Power to say no. Help him learn how to say no. Not give in, not compromise. God, I don't think he can do that in his own strength. He's gonna need you. Lord, I don't know all that you're gonna do. I don't know if he's gonna complete his med degree. I don't know if he's gonna be a doctor. I don't know if he's gonna be a pastor, Lord. I can't see the future, but you do. So I submit, Lord, all my goals, all my ambition, all my hope for him, I submit it to you. God, I pray you'd help me to trust that you really do know what's best for him. And that I'd trust you and your work in his life. That, that would allow me to listen to his plans with excitement, even as they change. As he finds the path, left or right, up or down, I'd be excited with him and I'd be able to help him remember that you're at the middle of it all. God, would you give him strength to grow in his faith? Lord, would you make his wor your word a part of his daily discipline? God, I don't want him to just learn about biology or business. I don't want him the best in his field to bring glory to himself or somehow validate my parenting. God, I want him to be strong in you. I want his grandkids to rise up and call him blessed because he was a man of God. That means he's gonna have to grow in his faith, Lord. So as you have done, will you send people into his life that can speak into him? God, and I pray that he wouldn't just know about your love and learn about your love, but he would experience it. As he stands in those chapel services, and they sing about your greatness, I pray that your love would fill his heart. And out of the overflow of that completeness, he would engage the world. He wouldn't be driven by need. He wouldn't try to satisfy wants in unhealthy ways, but he would be filled to overflowing with the full measure of Christ. And the love of God would be his constant companion. That you would be his counselor. Father, I pray that you would give him these moments where your greatness and your glory would be so clear to him, that your work is worth it, that if you call him to serve you, it would be stooping down to be the king of any vast domain, that he wouldn't buy into the American dream, that he'd buy into yours. Give him a sense of your grandness and your glory and how your work will never end, how it will outlast him and everybody around him. 
And so no matter what he does, God, put him about your work. Help him become a man. A man who seeks after your own heart. I pray this, Lord, in your name. Amen. What we're going to do right now is we're going to take a couple steps together. I want you to grab out your Connect card. And let's, uh, let's not just have an experience together, but let's, let's press in. Take a step and turn our words today into actions for this week. I've been talking about a God who loves us, but it's very possible you don't know him yet. The Bible says that you can have a relationship with your heavenly father not because of any work you've done, but because of his good work done through Jesus. The Bible says that if you put your faith and trust in the work of Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection, you can have a relationship with your heavenly father. We'd ask you to take that pen and the card that you began to fill out earlier and just check next step A. Now, typically, we would turn these in at the end of service, but in just a few moments, you're going to have a chance to turn them in kind of right away. All right? So just hold it. How about next step B? Today I'm choosing to be baptized. We've baptized in the last like six weeks, 13 people here. 13 people. Wow. Wow. That happens because you guys are faithful and you serve because our God is good. So if you want to get baptized or have your questions answered, check the box. Now next step C says this. It says, hey, Ben, I'll pray for our church to grow. Our church family to grow deeper and wider. We're going into an incredible season of ministry. And I'm wondering if you'd maybe take this prayer thing and you just pray for me. As I told you last week, the reason why you need to pray for me is because I need it and you need the practice. So just pray for me. Just pray for me. Pray for my wife because she's been crying all week. Just pray. Pray for your church ministries. Pray for our student pastor. Pray for our kids' ministries. In a few weeks, we're going to have a food truck rally. Pray that God would send us scores and scores of people who aren't connected to him or to his family. Just pray. You don't know how to pray? Use that guide. Step in. Start pressing in. Now, next step, D says, I'm interested in hoping a group this fall. If you have any interest in that, check the box. This is where life change happens in a profound way. When you take deep biblical content and you connect it to authentic relationships, it's a catalyst for life change help facilitate that by checking the box and having a conversation. The next step B is I'm committed to coming to the core rally on August 27th. Now this is a special one. We don't want you to just show up if you didn't check the box. And if you check it on Tuesday, you're going to get a really incredible email telling you what's going to happen at this event. And uh, we're hoping that everybody that makes this church happen, and if you're a guest, you just want to know, go ahead and check it and we'll communicate. But here's what we're going to do right now. I'm gonna ask you, unlike our normal pattern, to just take your connect card. And if you have a gift, if you have an offering that you wanna give to the Lord, to go ahead and get that as well. Put them both in your hands. All right? So I know it's a little different. It's all right. It's fine. It's okay. Changed it up. We're fine. Grab out your offering. Whatever it is you're gonna use to give to God out of the blessings he's given you. Last Saturday, I was standing on this stage and they're here in the room and I don't want to embarrass them. I don't think they'd mind me telling you this. But I stood on this stage and and we did a wedding here in this room. 
That's incredible. What was cool is there's a man and a woman and family members. And they said their vows. And, you know, just, it was really neat. But that's not what made that day special. What made it special was <laughs> on Sunday when I chatted with the husband. And with tears in his eyes, he said, I've never known a church family like this. Never. Like, you know, I didn't grow up in church. My wife did, I didn't. And I, he said, I've just been awake all night because of the stirring of what it means to have the love of God in my life and have a church family like this. I stood on this stage with our band members and some tech team folks who pulled off an incredible ceremony the way they wanted it. Here's what they said. They wanted to give their friends who don't go to church a little bit about what this church is like. And so we actually had a church service. It started with a worship song. And instead of giving the message, I just did their ceremony. There were people in here who hadn't been to church in a very long time. And they got to hear me talk about Jesus and the gospel and our worship band did, did a, a song that we do all the time. And it was the weirdest and most awesome thing I've ever been a part of. It's incredible. How did we get to do that? Because of you guys. You've created a place where people say, I just want my family and friends to know about it. You create a place where 13 people get baptized. So all I want you to do is take your next steps in your offering and put it in your hand. We take bold steps. We give boldly around here and we give. You know, before you ever sat down, before you were ever in this building, somebody gave to pay for that seat because they wanted God to work in your life. And when you give right now, you get to do the same thing. We're gonna pray about it and then we're gonna stand together. We're gonna worship God with singing and with our giving. And we're gonna put those next step cards right in there. Bow with me right now. Father, thank you that you're a good God and you bless us beyond measure. Lord, I pray that we would be a praying people, that our prayers would be honest and bold. And we'd ask you, Lord, for all that you want to do, that we'd be marked by our prayers and our love for one another. Now, Father, would you take these next steps that we've taken? you help us, Lord, not to just be stirred, but to actually put into practice. There are people, Lord, who have made commitments five or six times over to pray for their spouse and for their kids, and they're not doing it. God, I don't, I don't want them to feel guilty, but would this be the decision that they make that actually changes that? Lord, I pray for those that are accepting Jesus right now into their hearts, and they're saying, God, I'm a sinner, and I want a relationship with my heavenly Father, and I can't do it on my own, and I trust the work that Jesus has done in his death and resurrection. Father, as we gear up for this ministry season, make this church to be a place of love and prayer. Take these gifts that we're about to give. Make them go far and wide. We pray for more testimonies like what you're doing this week in this couple. We give it to you in the name of Jesus, we pray.